Okay, welcome. Let's begin. Acts 2M 158. Today, finishing out this star, um, star cluster series, seven-part series we've been in. Psalms 89. Let's come to order. Let the council come to order. Psalms 89. I will sing continually about the Lord's faithful deeds. To future generations, I'll proclaim your faithfulness. For I say... has been permanently established in the skies you set up your faithfulness the Lord said I've made a covenant with my chosen one I've made a promise on oath to David my servant I will give you an eternal dynasty and I will establish your throne throughout future generations so when this event begins just a minute ago, the Holy Spirit spoke. He, he said, uh, this is an invitation this morning into the divine council, uh, what Jeremiah called, or what Hebrew calls the sod of Yahweh. So we're being invited into a council room meeting with the Lord. Oh Lord, the heavens praise you, your amazing deeds, as well as your faithfulness in the, um, in the angelic assembly or the assembly of the holy ones. Who in the skies can compare to the Lord? Who is like the Lord among all of the heavenly beings, all the sons of God, both the angelic order and the human order of God's sons and daughters? Who is like the Lord? A God who is honored in the great assembly and more awesome than all who surround him. O Lord, sovereign God, who is strong like you, O Lord, your faithfulness surrounds you. You rule over the proud sea when its waves surge, you calm them. You've crushed the proud one and killed it with your strong arm, you've scattered your enemies. The heavens belong to you as does the earth. You made the world and all it contains. You've created the north and the south. You've created Tabor and Hermon. Rejoice in your name. They say to the Lord, your arm is powerful. Your hand is strong and your right hand is victorious. The equity and justice are the foundation of your throne. Loyal love and faithfulness characterize your rule. How blessed are the people who worship you. Oh Lord, they experience your favor. They rejoice in your name all the day long and are vindicated by your justice. For you give them splendor and strength. And by your favor, we are victorious. For our shield belongs to the Lord and our King belongs to the Holy One of Israel.
Amen.
place where it goes down From the farthest reaching star To where I stand here on the ground From the rising of the sun To the place where it goes down From the farthest reaching star where I stand here on the ground I lift your name I give you praise and for all my days oh I will lift your name I lift your The banner of the king be raised higher and higher. Oh, an army wailing and weeping, brokenness. Oh, let your name rise above the heavens. Let your name rise, rise, rise From the rising of the sun To the place where it goes down From the farthest reaching star To where I stand here on the ground oh, And I will live your name I give you praise for all my days I will lift your name I lift your name and I give you
let the trees sway to the glory of your ways how the mountains still by compassion that you feel how the winds blow away and all the sins you forgave and how your mercy endures till the end of our days
saying to me I'm a tactile person and so I had to look it up but tactile means to touch and he, so the Holy Spirit is inviting us right now to go into a time where you just if you want to just go around and like give a hug or touch someone else with the life of God that's living in you just just to move around the room just to touch just to share the generosity of the spirit that is a life of the Lord is in you to be a blessing to someone else he's a tactile person so love one another when you're touching one another think about the life of the Lord that's in you like releasing out of you like the connection of Christ in you, transmitting out of you onto someone else by touch. When we give ourselves away, it's like the Lord when he just gives himself. Release the life of God that's in you to someone else.
Jeremiah chapter 31. At that time, I will be the God of the clans of Israel, and they will be my people, I, the Lord, affirm it. The Lord says, the people of Israel who survived death at the hands of the enemy. The Lord's declaring favor over you, even as you're journeying to find rest for yourselves. In a far off land, the Lord will manifest himself to them and he will say to them, I love you, I love you, I love you. From the Lord, I says, I love you with an everlasting love, with an everlasting love. And I will continue. I'll continue to be faithful to you. And I'll rebuild you, my dear children in Israel, so that you will once again be built up. And once again, you will take up the tambourine and join in the happy throng of the dancers. Once again, you will plant vineyards on the hills of Samaria. And those who plant them will once again enjoy their fruit. Yes, I'm saying the time has come when the watchmen will call out to the mountains of Ephraim, come, let us go up, let us go up, let us go up to Zion, up, up, up into the Zion, up into the hill of the Lord. joy descendants of Jacob sing for joy with loud shouts the foremost of the nations and make your praises heard the Lord says I'll rescue you people and deliver you even those of you who remain the ones of you who remain alive oh the Lord's bringing us back on into Zion
Hebrews chapter 12. Starting in verse 5. My son, my daughter, do not scorn the Lord's discipline or give up when he corrects you. For the Lord disciplines the one he loves and he chastises every son that he accepts. Endure your your suffering as discipline. God is treating you as a son. For what son is there that a father does not discipline? But if you do not experience discipline, something all sons have shared in, then you're illegitimate and you're not a son. Besides, we've experienced discipline from our earthly fathers and we respected them. Shall we not submit ourselves all the more to the father of spirits? And listen, he says, and receive life. For they disciplined us for a little while as it seemed good to them. But when the Lord disciplines us, he does it for our benefit. Why? So that we may have holiness, his holiness. Now all discipline, all of it, it seems painful at the time and it is not joyful. But later it produces the fruit of peace and righteousness for those who are trained by it. Therefore, strengthen, strengthen your listless hands. I've been praying for this congregation. The Lord's like, our congregation has been going through some discipline. The Holy Spirit has been sharing this with me. We've all been going through some stuff. And the Lord's been bringing discipline in our life. But it is meant to produce, meant to produce His holiness. And He says here, strengthen your listless hands and your weak knees and make a straight path for your feet. Eyes on center, on on the Lord and not looking to the left hand and to the right. When we come under discipline that we wouldn't faint or be angry in the way, it says the tendency is to get mad, blow hot. The other tendency is to go into despair and get troubled by the Lord bringing us through something, but the Lord is bringing us into greater holiness, into a greater purity, and a greater likeness with himself. And I don't know if you assume, as maybe I have, is why are you messing with me? I thought I was good enough. The goodness is the righteousness of Jesus. Make straight paths for your feet. Some of us, because of what we've been dealing with and what the Lord, I think since X2M 147, and especially since the entraining agents one we had, it like shook this whole house. It, it shook down our congregation. I've asked the Lord, I said, where did the shaking come? 147, remember when the thunder and the lightning was hitting this thing, it felt like Noah's Ark in here. You could go back and watch it. The double O of circumcision. The Lord said, I want to deal with any idolatry or any high places in the human heart. And the Lord has went to work with us. 
And he's been dealing with stuff. And so we all came under, I, th- I believe, some level of discipline. That's the way he shared with me. But in the middle of it, when we're jerking back in, um, upset, sadness or madness, that the oil of gladness is our reward. It says about Jesus that he has the oil of gladness above all his fellows. And that same Jesus who has Christ in him, the same Jesus has given his Christ nature to us so that we could also share in the oil of gladness. And many of you, I believe, if I hear from the Lord, it's the eyes that would tendency in the middle of the shaking is divert left, divert right. But to eyes, he says, my eyes and my feet this morning, this afternoon, a determination. I'm not going to go after the madness or the sadness, but I'm going for the oil of gladness. That's my reward in him to be found in him. Okay. Yeah. You've been shook up. Yes, you're going through trials. Yes, you are. The Lord's ordained them to be so. Yes, you're being, yes, you're being tested. Yes, you have been. Yes, that is true. Strengthen your listless hands. That they have purpose. There's purpose in your hands. There's purpose. They're not just waving around, they have purpose. Your hands have purpose and your feet have a place to go. So make a straight path in your, no, I'm determined. I'm determined to follow Jesus. I've made my determination so that what is lame may not be put out of joint, but be healed. The Lord is like looking at us. He's like, I want to solve a problem for you that you can't solve for yourself. And I'm going to give you holiness. I'm going to take the issues that are plaguing you, have been plaguing you. I want to take those from you. I want to bless you with my own nature, my own holiness. And then he moves on. And this is where I believe we're going to take this today. But he says, pursue peace with everyone. Pursue peace with everyone in holiness for without it, you know the text, no one will see the Lord. Years ago, the Holy Spirit said to me, says sheep here, but kings, queens, they see. The royal family sees when we pursue peace. Listen, we pursue peace with everyone. certain relationship. I just want to back out of it. I want to be done with it off the person, whatever. Pursue peace with everyone, it says. And holiness, pursuing holiness without which you cannot see the Lord. We have no revelation. We have no vision. We can't see. We're like, we'll be blind without this path. See it that no one comes short of the grace of God, that no one be like a, a bitter root springing up and causing trouble so that so many become defiled. When life's adversity hits you, problems start to come with people, the relationships that you're dealing with, 
financial troubles or health-related issues, see that, he says, see to this, that a bitter root does not spring up in your soul. And because these situations that can turn you to the worst instead of taking that and examining that place and say, I'm not going to allow bitterness into my heart. I will not allow it. Don't let it spring up because it'll cause trouble and it brings defilement. It brings deception. And we get offended with another person or, or a situation. Don't allow it in your life. Pursue peace, he says. And, and see to it that no one becomes immoral. Do not engage in immorality in any form. Or a godless person like Esau who sold his birthright for a single meal. Listen, don't set your economy before your birthright. Don't put the pot, don't put your soup, don't put your food, don't put your material well-being. He says, God calls that a godless person. The writer of Hebrews speaking on the inspiration of the text is saying the person godlessness here is the one who sells off his inheritance in the father for something temporally gained. Don't become a godless person like Esau. He sold his birthright, this great calliness on his life because of a single uh, meal. For you know that later when he wanted to inherit the blessing, he was rejected. For he found no opportunity for repentance although he sought the blessing with tears. You've not come to something that can be touched to a burning fire and darkness and gloom and a whirlwind and the blast of a trumpet and a voice uttering words such that those who heard beg to hear it no more. For they cannot bear what was commanded if even an animal touches the mountain, it must be stoned. In fact, the scene was so terrifying that Moses said, I shudder with fear. But then he says this, but you, you have come to Mount Zion, the city of the living God, the heavenly Jerusalem, and to myriads of angels. To the assembly, the council, and the congregation of the firstborn, the ones who are enrolled in heaven, and to God who is the judge of all, and to the spirits of the righteous who had been made perfect. And to Jesus, the mediator of the new covenant and to the sprinkled blood that speaks something better than innocent Abel's blood does.
No bargaining. No lobbying. This is not an intellectual exercise. The Holy Spirit saying, and and this would be the agreement. Hey, council of council room, council of the Lord. Yep. To enter a plea in. Um, we're going to enter a plea. Spirit's telling me right now to enter your request to him. I mean, you can say this to the Lord. He's listening to you. But we enter your request to the Lord. Make your request known to the Lord. to the Lord, just raise your hand so that I know. Once a request, go to the Lord. Yes. Yes. Spirit of God moving through this room. Remember when Israel worshiped Moses had went up the mount. Israel's down in the valley worshiping the golden calf. Moses comes down. Moses angry, throws the commandments down. Moses goes back up. Moses comes back down. Moses has another set commandments. It's like an 80-day process. Moses comes down. They take the idol. They take the idol. They take the... crush it and ground it into fine dust. And they, they, they drank the sign of the covenant, the blood of the covenant. It's something of that kind of nature going on out of Zion today over, this, over us, this congregation. The, the sprinkling of, sprinkling of blood The plea is the blood. The plea is the righteousness of the men. Bringing us to the end of everything that we can do. And we have nowhere else to turn but to him. 
your adversity, your trial, everything is to hone you in, bring you to literally, there's nothing I can do. Exactly. To bring you to the end of yourself, the end of all that we can affect and make happen. The Holy Spirit bringing us trials, honing us in, honing us in, eyes set on the one, the one, the one who is the mediator, the one that's sitting in the council right now, ever living, interceding for you, but the one, the one whose blood, even your innocence in the situation that you've been in is not good enough. It's where great offense comes from is when we're innocent and we've been done wrong. But even your innocence, just like Abel's, is not power enough to deal with this situations that we're dealing with. It's the work of the Lord. It's the work that only the blood. It's the plea that enters in for the blood of Jesus. The righteousness of the one. The pure and spotless bride is brought to the one, the bridegroom king. Conditioned on your full trust, your vacant, to, to, just to me. Let me have you. Let me have, the, let me have your situation. Your situation is not arbitrary to the Lord no matter how small or big that you think it is. Um, it's not an arbitrary thing to him. Ever living, never living, never living, never living to intercede. Ever living, never living in love. Maybe I'm most likely like, can't conceive of this kind of love. Someone who's got your back and your front and everything all the time. Someone, someone who really, really cares and says, hey, you got cares, come cast them onto me. You know, I can take it. I've already taken it for you. The one sitting enthroned in victory right now, seated at the right hand of the Father, the one, the guarantor, the mediator, the prince of peace, the rightful sovereign. All appeals to him, all of them up to him. And though your sins be as scarlet, I'll wash them as the white driven snow. Yes. Yes. Receive the inwrought cross. Receive from the mercy seat that's in the heavens. Cleansing so deep, a fountain so deep. Holiness, holiness, holiness and purity. And the righteousness and truth. 
washing down over your heads, washing down over your minds. Greater cleansing, greater love, great grace, great grace. Grace poured out, grace poured out. is going to solve my problem. I can't even solve my problem. I need you, Lord. I need you. You're the very help in the time of trouble. You're my victory. You're my reward. You're my lasting hope.
healing is moving over your bodies as many of you right now is dealing with physical needs the Lord's bringing healing right now receive the healing of the Lord into your body
press on to know him come let us return to the Lord and come let us return
surrounds me with love and tender mercy. Praise the Lord. Lift his name, lift his name, oh. his name Peter, upon um, leaving legacy to the to the church in his day, you know, we certainly should pay attention to a man, God's apostle. Their final statement that he's wanting to leave uh, with us. You find his words in Second Peter chapter one. He says this in verse uh, 15, indeed, I want to make sure and make every effort. I'm wanting to put forth the best effort that I have, every effort that I could, I could give out of himself, and not to restrain anything from himself. He says, I want to make every effort that after my departure, meaning, and, and we know that the, uh, 
you know, you know the story of Peter probably that he's going to be um, taken away that he does not want to go as, as the Lord will tell him and he'll be hung upside down, um, crucified upside down. Before I leave, when I'm making my departure, I'm going to make every effort that I can as a human being alive on the earth in the function of leaving a legacy to leave a testimony of these things. And so I want you to, to hear this testimony Peter saying to us and to the church for the last 2,000 years. Listen to, the, to, to him. He says, we did not follow cleverly concocted fables. The thing I'm going to share with you was not in a children's nursery rhyme book. It wasn't concocted by even some of the best um, poets. It, it, wasn't, it, wasn't, it wasn't built by some of the best narrative thinkers of our day. It wasn't the greatest minds that could produce some kind of literature for us that would tell a, like a story, even an epic of a nation or, um, or any kind of story that we would sort of be able to relate our life experience to that has brilliant, brilliant language encoded in it that people would connect to. Because, and I'm sure some of you maybe have done literary studies or been a part of reading great literature. And there is great literature. And you know, um, I, I didn't understand this. I didn't come up thinking about literature. I've read a lot of literature now. And there's, you connect yourself to the literature a lot of times. That's how you engage with it. Um, certain poet, poetry, it, it connects Again, certain prose, written documents, they connect to us. And we find ourselves in those stories. We can, oh, that is speaking to me. In a more modern tale, we have um, like film today. They didn't have film then, but film, you know, we could watch a movie or see something. Say, oh, you know, you identify. Do all of y'all identify with the hero? Some people, they identify with every hero in every story. That's me. That's me. I'm, I'm that person. <laughs> It's just like me. <laughs> I don't know if y'all struggle with that, but you know. <laughs> but you identify with certain characteristics in, in the literature and, in, and we have that and, and in the film and in the media of our day. And Peter is saying that what I'm about to tell you is um, par excellence beyond any kind of literary analysis you could do or film review or... Uh, this is better than what literary critics could bring or, you know, Rotten Tomatoes or whatever, you know. What's that, those other two guys that always review film? Siskel and Ebert. This isn't like that. I'm want, the, Peter's wanting to differentiate clearly that the poetry and prose of his day and, and uh, you know, you could get down to children's books and Mother Goose rhymes and all of that. And there's no... When we are making known to you, when he's saying I'm making known to you something, he's not just saying known as in intellectual knowing either. You know, 
That's one of the functions of this house. And it's had to be like this with the Lord. He wants transformational knowing. We will take as much time as it takes on, in this culture of worship that the transmission of the, God, of the God, the real God, not some kind of presumptive, not some kind of fake thing or showy thing. No, we won't have it. We just can't actually, the Lord set the standard that he himself has to transmit his life as Holy Spirit in the midst of these events. Or, you know, he shared with me years ago, or you're completely unsuccessful in ministry. You have no success if there's not a knowing of the transmission of my very own nature imprinting onto the people. If there's not an imprint, if there's not a a life inside, like a light, a spark, a life radiating inside, you know, don't even think that that's a good event. In my mind, if I'm not moving in the midst of my people or through my people, mm -mm. so Peter's saying here, he's like, when he says, all the presuppositions of narrative, all the narrative presuppositions is in his day, as powerful as they were, and there's great poetry, great prose, great, in all of that, what I'm seeking to do is to make known something that is beyond the comprehension of an, just a mind. The very substance of God. And this is a prize to the Lord. It's, it's, it's a great uh, Zion and the, sub, the very substantial nature of God himself among his people that's not built on, that's not worshiping idols, worshiping a pre, presupposed idea of God, but that God himself would come and make himself present among a people. And you feel the rushing in of him or the rushing out of him as he's in you and his omnipresence is all around us and his omniscient and his omnipotence reigning and sovereignly ruling and governing our life that we would be, he would make himself, Peter's like, I don't want to leave a legacy of a fable. I don't want to leave a legacy of a storyline that has no, um, give me grace, Holy Spirit, but it has no correlation to real living. I want a life, um, I want to transmit a life that's real, like an eternal life that's a life that's coming out of me as an apostle, Peter, saying that's transmitting the very life of the Lord out of me. I want to make him known like this and set the, the bar, that set the bar of, the, uh, of you, the church at that kind of capacity that we would never ever commercialize, materialize, sensationalize this man, Jesus. That he's a person and so are you. And I want you to know the depths of the personhood of God, the ontology, the very base of being. You know, Paul, his uh, compatriot, and they weren't Russians, but you know, his compatriot, Two different apostolic modes. One's, one's going to, Peter's going to go to, right, the Jews. Paul's going to go to the Gentiles, and it's like a big switch. I mean, they both have to do what they do out of complete humility and vulnerability. I mean, Paul would have been, it seemed would have been better for the, the Jews and Peter's for the Gentiles. But the, the word switched in. 
because uh, Paul's so erudite, just a brilliant theologian, Pharisee. It's, it's of his own clan. Lord sending him out among people that literally probably can't understand a word he's saying. And, and Paul's gonna say the same thing. Paul's gonna say that I couldn't come in just elegance of speech and words of wisdom, but I came to demonstrate the Lord. I, I wanna demonstrate the cross of Christ in such a way that transmit God's life out of myself. And the Lord is like in our house saying, I want all the idolatry and all the, I want this stuff out of my house. I want the abuse of substances out of my house. I want everything that you're hoping in more than me. I want it out of my house because I'll be a God to you. I'll be a God to you that will be way greater than anything you could ever, anything you can imagine or think of. I'll be a God to, to you and among you and through you. Give it up, you know, give, give the stuff up and let me have you. And it's way, like way beyond like the worth of who he is. It's way beyond of any of that superficial stuff. And so he begins to, to come in on us and, you know, and you know, I don't know about you, but when the Lord comes near, a lot of times he doesn't always feel good. His love comes near to you. He, he's an exposer. He exposes things in us that aren't like him. And it's like, oh, I don't. Now I'm surprised we have this many people here <laughs> because he's come near to us so wonderfully and been so, he's so wonderful to us to bring his spirit in and among our midst. And the exposures come. The exposures come to, because he loves us and that you are allowing him to. And it, sometimes it feels like a vacant holes right in the center of your chest, at least for me, <gasps> like a backdraft, like all the oxygen's being jerked out of the middle of your chest and you feel left high and dry and alone. And he's probably more near to you than he's ever been. And then you process like we did in worship this morning and you move from the, <gasps> and I don't know if you're experiencing that. I was. <gasps> Where are you at? I'm, you know, it's almost like he's making his, he's making himself so known. In the, you know, they call it the via negative, negativa or something, as a form of theology where when God comes near, the exposure comes, but it feels dark to your soul. But if you'll wait, if you'll just wait in the very presence of the Lord, that light will spark. And uh, we experience it today in worship the light sparks. And I, I wanna tell you what Peter said here because it's so powerful because he says, hey, look, look, I'm an eyewitness. I've seen this with my own eyes. I, I've seen, I saw him receive honor and glory from the Father. I was reading this week in 1 Corinthians 15 and it says, it says, Acetus, it's sown in dishonor, but it'll be raised in glory. It really stuck out to me. In Corinthians 15, in the lower part there, it's talking about us putting on immortality and the transfigured life. And it talks about how it goes into dishonor, but then it's raised in glory. And I, I thought, oh, you know, because I think that when we say yes to the Lord and we go through some stuff, the 
it's first sown in dishonor it, and it hurts. But I think what Peter's trying to say to us in the text is, yeah, it may feel dishonorable, but I'm telling you, I'm telling you this man, he's worth putting all your trust in, not vacillating on. I'm telling you, I heard the father from the heavens say, this is my beloved son in whom I'm well pleased. He gave great honor and dignity to this man, you know, on the Mount of Transfiguration. You're not, I think Peter's trying to transmit, you're not going to go wrong by putting all your cards in on the Lord. Yeah, but it, 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 I'm going through something because I said yes to him. Yes, it feels shameful. I'm dealing with dishonor. I'm dealing with being mistreated. Uh, they don't understand me. I feel vacant. I've, maybe I'm experiencing aloneness. But listen, Peter said, hey, no, listen, I, I'm telling you, I was up there with the guy um, who's blown with light. I heard the father say about him, you're not going to, you're never going to go wrong. You're never going to go wrong listening to this man. Yes, all the chips might be down. Yes, it looks like everything's turned in. Yes, it, yeah, it does. Yes, it may be that way, but this is the declaration of the father to the son. He exalted him in front of all of us. And if he, he does that for him, uh, Hebrews 2 says that we're of the same stock. I love that. It's, it's the sanctified and the sanctifier of the same stock. You're, you're of the same stock of Jesus. Not ashamed to call you brothers and sisters. If we're of the same stock and the father acknowledges him and gives great glory and honor to him, and those of us who are Christians, those of us who have the Christ nature uh, of his life in us, so shall we. You're not gonna go wrong. You're being challenged. The Lord's been shaking down this church. He said it a few weeks ago. He's, I was up here. The Lord's like, I'm going to shake the family of Israel. And you're going to see it in the nation, Israel. You're going to see it in the house. I'm going to shake the very foundations of the house. I'm going to shake my people. Now I'm going to put it, and it, he uses a metaphor, even like a sieve, so that even a pebble will not fall to the ground. I'm going to bring I'm going to bring something through particulated matter, refined, refined, uh, he tells me a stardust. And I'm gonna take out of that stardust like a new matter and I'm gonna put it into my people and I'm gonna transfigure them. But I'm gonna shake you first. I'm going to take the, I'm going to take the things that, that are not like me and they're gonna either be ground to powder or they're going to be removed because I will have no more of this idolatry. I, I'm going to bring it out of my people and out of my house. I, it's, it's, it's the Lord's longing for this. And we can't do it for ourselves. It takes grace to do this work. It even, it's even the faith that he gives us. Let's just put it that way. I believe in sovereignty like that. The, the faith that I have is... Mm, not even enough for the faith that he would give me. 
this takes all self-righteousness right out of you. Because if it's my faith, well, I don't know that that's going to cut it. It's going to be the very faith of God, the very faith that is from him through us, operating in us by grace, given to us to be able to move through uh, these end times, what he's taking us through right now. We need the faith of God, not a faith towards God. That's elementary teaching, Hebrews chapter six, but the faith of God, a faith that comes from him. Uh, for by grace are you saved through faith. It's not of yourself, it's gift of God, lest you would have a reason to boast. So much of even, and I'm not disparaging the faith movement or anything, but so much of faith and the thought behind faith is it's a faith that I must muster up and try to bring forth. No, no, merely what we need is grace, grace poured out. It's a receiver grace that gives us faith to trust in the middle of the whole thing. And this same instilled spirit that's in Jesus, same life that's in us, uh, bringing us forward into destiny. Do you feel like this sometimes that you're like being pulled through stuff? And you're basically, your response is, yes, Lord. Because, you know, life is like, it's like, it's this, I feel like that every event we do here. Right, Stephen? It just feels like they're not gonna make it. We're not gonna make it. We're not gonna make it. We're not gonna make it. You know, to the next one, to the next one. The church is going good. And so Peter says, said, listen, he was honored. I want you to know this. And a voice was conveyed to him by majestic glory. This is my dear son. Or another translation says, the beloved son. Um, And Jesus, um, the father, he always comes to us in this way. And I I want you to hear this because if you deal with this, I think many of us do, but maybe it's incomprehensible to us that God would call us the ones that are beloved. Any other, any other language that is coming to you doesn't come from him. He's the lover. When he comes to you, he comes to you first like this beloved. Now, I want to say this because it's been a real trap to so many people thinking that God is speaking to them, driving them into deeper guilt based off past sin or deeper shame based off of future reality. And I want to say this, that when the Lord comes to us, he comes to us tender saying, I love you. It's his kindness that leads us to repentance. No meanness has ever led you to repentance, has it? Anybody ever been real mean to you and that made you want to repent? Nobody. It'll make you buck up if you're not careful. You know, we bristle against the meanness. It's the gentleness of God and this tenderness that comes to us. You're my beloved then he calls us into action, into destiny, sonship with him. So he's always like that. And, you know, maybe you've heard that, but let's be clear about that as the heart of our father. Yes, he'll discipline you, but he isn't 
taking away from this very tender nature that comes to us. And I hear lots of people say, the Lord said this to me. I was like, "Mm, I don't think so. It don't sound like the one I've come to know. He's very tender. And, And it's the way we treat other people. You'll see how you think about him. If you're critical and harsh and, and cutting and rude, you'll realize that you think he thinks that way about you because the way you treat another person is how you perceive the father thinks about you. He told me that years ago and I said, oh Lord, that my perception must be off of, you know. Well, he's very truthful now. He'll tell you the truth just like, he'll tell you just like it is. But he's very loving in it because he's bent on restoring you. All right, so he says, I'm delighted uh, in you. Say this with me, he delights in me. Do you believe it? Live like it. Live like you're the greatest delight of the Father. Delight meaning let the light shine. The light just comes out. He delights in you. Listen, he goes on and he says, when this voice was conveyed from heaven, we ourselves heard it. We were with him in the holy mountain. Excuse me, on the holy mountain. And, and so here we move into this. Moreover, so this is phenomenal. But I'm going to, give something more and I want you to hear this over. I want to capture this whole entire perspective here. We possess the prophetic word as an altogether reliable thing. We have the prophetic word that has been made more sure. We have the prophetic word of surety. Uh, Surety is a word that's used in financial transactions. If you put up surety for someone else, which, you know, Proverbs tells you to be careful about that, but if you, you put up surety, it means to in advance say that if this, this, you know, say no default, I'll cover it. This prophetic word that we have is, it has that kind of connotation built into it. It's sure that even under default, it'll still come to pass. I want to suggest this because I I think this happened to, it's happened to every single believer that's trusted the Lord, especially like Abraham and Sarah. And we know that story, but And I, I don't understand God's ways entirely. I don't exactly get some of this, but it's, I've discovered this as a believer. It's almost like this, that the Lord will have you believe something. It gives you a prophetic word. It's something that you hold the line on. You just don't back off on it. You're, you're not gonna change your mind on it. And, um, and it, and it has two, two things that's kind of going on with it the whole time. Let's just put it this way. I'm getting this from the Lord right now. It's fresh, right off the press. 
It either defaults right base or it's at fault left base. That you're either finding fault with yourself or someone else is finding fault with you. This always happens. You're standing on the word of the Lord and an accusation comes. The accusation comes from the left. It's, it's coming to say one, one or two things. It's coming from yourself or it's coming from someone else to find fault. It's trying to tell you that the prophetic word is not sure. I'll tell you, I'll tell you why it's not sure. Uh, because you're at fault. Look what you did. Look what you've done. But that, that's not what the Lord said to me. He didn't say to me that. He, he gave me this word and someone will come and argue with you. And they want to stir up a controversy with you. Anybody else had this happen? Everybody in here that's trusted the Lord. Someone uh, saying you're at fault and you feel, you, the feeling you can have is guilt. It's, well, yeah, I mean, I am at fault. Like, I, I did things I shouldn't do. I, I don't know. And, but the Lord told me to trust him in this. He, he told me to, to, he told me uh, to, to stand in this. But yeah, but you're, you're wrong because of what you've done. You're, you're, you're broken. You know you. You're never going to amount to anything. Look at you. You've always been at fault. And, and you ever trusted the Lord and you don't act a certain best way in it? <laughs> you don't have, you know, the best smile and the nicest demeanor in the middle of trusting him? Anybody else deal with that? <laughs> you blame yourself, condemn yourself, guilt yourself. I'm fraudulent. I don't deserve this. And someone else, and I'll tell you, if you get into this, some people, they'll rise up and they'll feel your transmission and they'll jump on board with it. They will. They'll feel the transmission of your guilt. I don't know if you've recognized that. I finally recognized that. It took me a while because I, I didn't understand that when you transmit an at-fault mindset, people will jump on board with it and they'll begin to condemn you themselves. Even some of the closest people that love you. It can be hard, but you're like trying to, how, I want to shut that thing down. I'm delighted in. At fault, default. <laughs> default. You run this risk. You're going to default on the note. You're going to default you, you are going to blow it. You're, you're running a risk that, what are you trying to do? Live up to a, a lifestyle that's better than the one you're living in? You're trusting in something. What, you think that God's gonna heal you? What, you think you're better than me? You're gonna default because you put your trust in him. You're going to blow it. You run risk. Your risk isn't going to come out. You've run a risk that you cannot recover from. It's going to fail. You're going to default on it. So this thing's attacking from the left and from the right, both attacking internally and externally. It's attacking default right in yourself, default right from someone else saying, you're making a big mistake. Well, I don't know 
our family, we've run through so many cycles of this. It's, but you got the prophetic word made more sure. The guarantee from the Lord, Pete, Pete saying, not Pete Lineker, but, but maybe Pete Lineker, saying, hey, you're gonna run out to the edge on this thing. The word of the Lord came to me. I have a prophetic word made more sure. And I'm gonna tell you, this is why Peter sent, said this earlier is, and if you, you'll allow him and you won't back out, in the moment of this, in this moment of faith and trust, in the midst of the adversity and the trial, at fault and defaulting, in the midst of that, the Lord is giving you himself. Oh, the Father, he delights in you in the midst of your trial. He's not mad at you. He's like, you trusted me. You did something that I asked you to do that makes no sense. That you don't know the outcome of. That you just took a risk with God. It's like I, the way I understand this is this is how that sieve works. That stardust begins to become a part of us. The very nature of God. I was studying this, this this week. I've been in Qumran text all week. It has been, oh man, it's, there's like 900 Qumran documents and like, I don't know how many thousands of scholars on Qumran, but I'm trying to like do this. And I, I come across some, some text and that I was looking at is really powerful. Um, some of the things that I, one of the, one of the ideas that I came across in my reading and I've posted some of these on Team Reach, some of these scholarly documents, I'd suggest that maybe if you wanted to read some of it, if, it's, if you feel led by the spirit to. But one of the concepts, and we, we pull this out of 1 Corinthians 15 again, and maybe let's just go there for a minute and because it'll be better for you to, to, for us to read it together and I'll make it more clear instead of me just trying to tell you what it says. So just remember with, we have a prophetic word made more sure. Now we're in the midst of what is Jesus, what mount is he on? What mount is he on? And in 2 Peter 1, which mountain is he referring to? The mountain of what? Transfiguration. So what's happening right now is what I'm doing in preaching is I'm giving you keys from the Holy Spirit in regards to the transfigured life of, place, of putting on the divine nature. Let's just be clear about it. I just found out what I was doing too. <laughs> so, so let's look at First uh, Corinthians 15. And make sure I've got the right section. Verse uh, 35. But someone will say, how are the dead raised? And what kind of body will they, will they come? Fool. I thought this is really strong language. Don't you know what you sow is not the body that is to be, but a bare seed? Perhaps of wheat or something else, but God gives it a body just as he's planned and to each of the seeds a body of its own. 
Now, all flesh is not the same. Now, if, if you'll do this with me, think terrestrial being land and celestial being heavens. This is how the Holy Spirit helped me to understand this. Because he's, he's going to begin to break down how this works. All flesh is not the same. People have one flesh. Animals have another. Birds and fish have another. So how many types of flesh are there in the terrestrial world? Four. Human flesh. Bird flesh. Animal flesh. And fish flesh. <laughs> There's four different types of flesh. When God made flesh, he made four different types in the terrestrial, in the terrestrial being the land and the, the uh, sky. He made, he made that. Now, in the celestial, it goes on. He said there are heavenly bodies um, there are, and, and earthly bodies. Um, and so in the heavenly bodies and earthly bodies. Now the glory of the heavenly body is one sort and the earthly is another sort. Because in the heavenly bodies, there's the sun, the moon, the stars, and then there's a heavenly body. Now what's interesting about that is down on the earth, there's a, try to catch this with me, there's a, there's a human body in the terrestrial and in the celestial, there is a heavenly body. You see it. And then there are three distinctions on each side. In, in the heavens, there's the sun, moon, and stars and a heavenly body. And in the terrestrial, there is a, there is a human body and there's animal, fish, and bird flesh. So just like there is a terrestrial body, there is a celestial body. Each one of us that are, the words, you have a terrestrial body and a celestial body. Now, this has been really interesting for me because I've been up here worshiping the Lord for a while with our team and with you. And, and when the Lord said to me, I'm tactile right now, I said, what do you mean? And he said, well, you could tell them to go and hug each other, but I'm tactile right now. Your, your heavenly body is in tactile with your, um, your, your celestial body is tactile with your uh, terrestrial body. I said, oh, oh, because it's been a little bit different because I've noticed that as a human being that I can be in my terrestrial body and not be tactile with my heavenly body. Does anybody know what I'm saying? Now, you understand there's like this co-location or there's this, um, it's co the word is coterminous, but it, it means when, you know, like two come together. And it's almost like, and now I'm not saying I know this, it's just me, this isn't text, but it's almost like that celestial body's floating around somewhere and is like looking for the terrestrial body to jump into. And as long as the terrestrial body is in the flesh, it's like the celestial does not become coterminous or links with the um, terrestrial body. And I've discovered this. I, 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 I'm like um, an analyst. That's what I do. I, my personality is INTP. We're logicians. We, I analyze everything. 
and, um, and could sit for hours and days in my mind working through concepts. But that's just my personality type. And I've noticed and I've watched this and I've observed, I've observed this, that I could be in the flesh with no celestial connection. I could be terrestrial and not celestial. But I've, I've been noticing something. The further the sanctification path is going on, I've noticed that celestial is sticking with the terrestrial. Do you understand what I mean? Because you can go live your whole week terrestrially. You, you, can, you can live like that and you can get along with it. Well, it's pretty miserable after you taste the celestial body. And I, I know... Charles, you and I have talked about this in a different way because you've talked about linking with who your real self is. Now, your real, your real self is your celestial body. That's your true, true ontological self. But to unpack the celestial body requires that a seed goes in the ground and dies. Nobody likes that part. And this is what I believe Paul is saying because this is what I've been in this, this week with the Lord. He's like, I want, four co- I want full coterminous, I want full um, connection between the celestial and the terrestrial. Now, Melchizedek, he's gonna say this to Abraham. I'm jumping to Genesis 14 real fast. He said, blessed are you, Abram. What does he say? Of Mo- God most high, El Elyon, possessor of what? Heaven and earth. You know what he was saying to him? Blessed are you, Abraham. Blessed are you, Abram. You, your terrestrial body and celestial body are coterminous with one another. You're in full link with heaven and earth in yourself. You're transmitting heaven out of your terrestrial body. Now, some of you might have laughed at me before and stuff, but I've been like electrocuted up here. I don't know how many times. Electrified with, the, uh, with that celestial body. That celestial body is like amazing. And the Lord, the Lord, I believe is saying through Paul here. So, so let's look at it. So, so, and there are heavenly bodies and earthly bodies. The glory of the heavenly body is of one sort and the earthly is of another sort. And he says, there's one glory. Here it is of the sun, another glory of the moon, another glory of the stars and the stars and the star differ in glory. It is the same with the resurrection of the dead. All right, what is sown is perishable, but what is raised is imperishable. Or what is sown in dishonor, it is raised in glory. I mean, I think sometimes, and I, I don't know if you deal with this as believers, like, when's the big show gonna come? You know, but the Lord's like, no, I'm sowing you in dishonor. <laughs> I'm gonna raise what I'm gonna do through you in glory but first it will be, dis, it, it's sown in dishonor. The only way to extract the celestial into your terrestrial body, the only way to make them coterminous, to connect, the only way is that I sow it and you allow me with you by faith to sow it in dishonor first. And nobody likes that. And, and I mean, no one likes that. You don't have to. The Lord didn't like it either. I mean, now he didn't, he doesn't have the issue with sin like we do. So the Lord's got to clean us up first. So it can feel very dishonorable at times. Again, back to Peter. He's saying, listen, guys, 
Listen, I heard, I heard him in the Mount of Transfiguration. I heard the father. He said, he made great statements about him. Boom, the light's blasting out of Jesus, right? Because he don't have any sin. He's just like, light pouring out what? His celestial body and his terrestrial are totally coterminous. There's no sin. There's no darkness in him. He's nothing but light. Notice how Jesus can go around though all the other time. Everybody just sees his what? His terrestrial body. He reveals his celestial body to his three buddies. So listen, he says, it goes on, he says, um, it's dishonor, but it'll be raised in glory. It's sown in weakness. It's raised in power. It's sown a natural body, but it's what? Raised a spiritual body. If there is a natural body, now he's kind of coming back around, just what I'm saying to you, hey, there's a spiritual body. So it is written, the first man, Adam, became a living person. But listen, this last Adam, speaking of Jesus, became a what? A life-giving spirit. The spiritual did not come first, though, but the natural and then the spiritual. So everything goes in this kind of order. Okay, we might not like it, but perishable, dishonor, and weakness first. What comes second? Imperishable, glory, and power. Peter's saying, hey, guys, I want you to know this. Paul's writing it here in 1 Corinthians 15. They're like tag teaming on us today. I want you to know this. This is the way this thing works. The first man is from the earth. He's made of dust. But the second man, he's from heaven. Like the one made of dust, so are two are those made of dust And like the one from heaven, so too are those who are heavenly. And just as we born the image of the man of dust. Oh oh man, feel the Lord. And I love this because he changes the language here from born, let us bear the image of the man of heaven. You were born with your physical body, but you must bear the image of the man of heaven. Uh, the, the language there, the, so we born and bear. We, we will bear. Um, let us bear. Let us bear this present tense now. Um, let us in the sense of, Steve said this a couple years ago, and it's really poignant. You have to let this happen. You the Lord won't impose your um, celestial body on you or impose himself on you. So you, it's let us bear. It's an agreement. I don't know how many times since we started X2M 111. It, well, it was 108, but 111 for sure. I was standing up there, we're at seven day at Venice and I know it's kind of strange, you know, I didn't have language for it like I maybe do now. And I'm standing up there and all of a sudden, and I'm like, what the world, what is this? 
who is this? You know, it started about X2M 108 and, and the Holy Spirit started to speak to me. He said, how'd he said? He said from, what was his words? It was, it was the words like star child, but infant to infinite. And he said, that this dichotomy is what I want. I want you as an infant and you will partake of the infinite. And I remember, man, I've, if, I've went falling backwards and I'm like, I don't want to do that. It's not like something I want to do. Not accustomed to want to fall down as military, you know, everything is like this, you know, you know, is don't fall down. If that's the last thing you do, stand your ground. And it's like, man, I remember he's like from infant to infinite. I said, oh Lord, he's like, this is what I want for our people. I want from like the infancy of your celestial, or excuse me, your terrestrial nature. I want you to take it as a little child and I'll give you infinite, the infinite, the, your celestial, celestial body. I want them to be, I want to union them together. I want to lengthen. And man, X2M 111 starts up and I'm standing up there and we're worshiping. I got all this stuff on my mind because we're bothered, our team's bothered about the smoke machine for good reason. Uh, and this is like, what are we trying to do here? A show and stuff like that. It's really bothering a lot of us. And it's just like, and it's all in my head. Like I'm a bad leader. I'm making bad decisions. It's all over my mind. I'm like, I'm a failure. It's hitting me on the stage. I'm just like, I don't know what to do. I'm just going to run to you. And then next thing you know, boom. I was like, what is this? What body is this? You know, who is this? It's like, my eyes feel like they're on fire, like burning. I'm like, who is this person? This is the person I've always wanted to know. I like this person. And I was like, you know what? If the pressure has to heat up and you have to use a haze machine to get that person, I was like, let's do the smoke machine. Because <laughs> I was like, I want the celestial and the terrestrial to be one. And I didn't know what I was saying. I confused some people, I'm sure. And my experience probably looks really rough on film. But I started finding out something. Now, I got to tell you, I've been in the church since I was knee high to a grasshopper. I was dedicated on my first week in church to the Lord over there at the Hendersonville Church of the Nazarene by mom and dad. I've been in this my whole life. I've never experienced anything like this, ever. So I want to say that I'm not trying to set some kind of thing. I just had never had an experience of this kind of union. And it came after 20 weeks of the double helix that we went through by the Holy Spirit that taught, taught us. I mean, that's phenomenal, but he's like, I'm gonna put the seed inside that will begin something called the indestructible element, which we finished here, phase 11, the indestructible element. Why? Because, and I believe, you know, you've heard me talk about it in a different way, tabernacles. And this is our end time inheritance. Hear me today. It's trans transfiguration unto glorification. And we're all in process in this right now. And I think many of, I think many in the church have like tasted the dishonor, you know, the pain. And it's like, no, let's go find this thing and light somewhere else and get off this thing. The word's like, no, it's going to be weak looking. It's going to, it's going to have an appearance of dishonor. It's going to have the, it's going to be hidden. It's not going to be open right now. I'm going to have my way with this, but I'm going to do it a certain way. And I have a mode of the way I do things. This is the only way for me to link the celestial and the terrestrial together. 
I just want to congratulate all of you for allowing yourself to go through something that is not easy to go through. All of you, all of you that were laying a foundation here all the years ago, especially the Scroggs family over here and the Dillons, the Mains, the the Klepaks, the different families. And I don't know all the families that were here, but I believe that that's what you were on to. You were going through this because God was bringing us to this union with him, but to union our terrestrial body with a celestial why unto transfiguration, unto a glorified humanity. This will change the whole world because it will restore all things because it'll look just like uh, Jesus did, but not Jesus, you with your own persona, you with your own life of God in you. And so, so listen, brothers and sisters, flesh and blood cannot inherit the kingdom of God, nor does the perishable inherit the imperishable. Listen, I'll tell you a mystery. We'll not all sleep. You know what he's saying there? Not everybody's gonna die. Because when we use sleep in there and the Thessalonians lets us know, he's saying not everybody's gonna die. There is a generation that will not see death. This is the function of this ministry to this is our primary mandate. I was tasked by the Lord, pioneer for a glorified body. It's your, ta- it's your lifelong calling. Go, stay with it. We'll, we'll be changed in a moment in the twinkling of an eye at the last trumpet. The trumpet will sound and the dead will be raised imperishable. Glorification will happen at the last trumpet. It will not happen before that. Let me make that clear. I've had some people ask me that. Right here in the text is very clear about that. But our transfigured life is happening now. Every time we engage in these events, or it doesn't have to be in these events because you can engage with this at home or in your whatever, but these events are particularly set up by the Holy Spirit for us to engage with transfiguration, that you will be transfigured and, and changed through these events. And when you come in here and you engage in this, that's what you're doing. I, let me just be clear. I've, been, I've known that for a long time. Every time, it's like reintegration of the man of dust and the star, a star child, or the star dust. This perishable body must put on it the imperishable, and the mortal body must put on immortality. There's no subculture for this, ladies and gentlemen. (laughs) This isn't a subculture. I believe this is the culture. This is the forerunning, forerunning whatever, Melchizedek order, blazing a trail. This is what this is. It's, it's not some kind of subculture. It's not some kind of layered status system. It's for any who will come, for all who will come to him. Admittedly, some of us have more to overcome than others. <laughs> I think that's why I was picked. (laughs) If that guy can make it, anybody can. I think that's why God chooses pastors or whatever we are. He calls us because he's like, pick the guy that just has no chance. Because he is so messed up (laughs) that I'll get glory out of him. And I believe he's he's picked us, a lot of us in leadership. We have nothing to boast in because it's all by God's grace. 
I love this verse, and, um, and we can prepare to close out. But now when this perishable puts on imperishable, and this mortal puts on immortality, the saying that is written will happen. Stephen was singing this today, and it really touched me. He's actually singing out of Peter, 2 Peter 1, about the dawn breaking forth. I was seeing it. Before he was singing it, I saw light breaking out in, in you guys. I saw these little sparks of light erupting inside of you. I, I could see it. And then he said the dawn, and we'll go back to Peter, and I'll show you this, what he was literally singing. I know it comes from the Lord, and he was singing this about death too. Death has been swallowed up in victory. And you feel that. You know, no more fear of death, no more, no more at fault or default. You imagine that all that's gone? I mean, this is our inheritance. I, I experienced it at 112, X2M 112. I have never experienced that kind of love. I, you know, I felt him put his mind inside my mind. Uh, Melinda Scroggs, she came up at the end of that and she said, I saw Papa Father put his mind in your mind. I, I felt it was like being taken, it was the wildest thing. It's the most beautiful experience. Like you're floating out in the heavens and you're just the Lord's. You're just all His. There's nothing wrong. There's no death. There's no fear. There's nothing. There's no like retribution. There's no like, you're not trying to get a hold of something or get somebody to believe something or like you for something. There's none of that. Uh, let's stand together. Listen to this, what it says, where old death is your victory? Where old death is your sting? That pain, that hit, that personal, that hurt, that thing that when you get pricked or whatever and it hurts, it's gone. So it's like this, it's like, okay, Lord, like I'm tired of that, I don't wanna have that, so I'm just gonna, like Hebrews said today, I'm just gonna set my feet, I'm gonna set my mind like Flint, I'm coming after you. Well, you might taste some dishonor, it may feel weak. You may not, you may feel that you're at fault and you may feel like you're gonna default, but if you'll stay with me, you'll be raised in glory and you'll be raised in power. I've, I've got you. I'm declaring over you that you're uh, my beloved children and whom I delight in. Yeah, but my situation's not telling me that. It doesn't matter. It's meant to, you're going through something right now and yeah, it's weak, it's dishonorable. Yeah, it, 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 um, it hurts, okay? But this isn't the condition of who you are. You're my beloved son and daughter in whom I'm well pleased, I delight in you. And, uh, and because I was raised in glory, you will be too. It's my promise to you. It's the Lord's promise to us. The sting of death that we feel is sin. The power of sin is the law. So, hey, get away, get as far away from Sinai as you can and run to Zion. Because the law is there to what expose sin. It, it brings it up. You can read about that in Romans. And I'll tell you, and I gave this admonition a few weeks ago. Don't judge other people. Hold them according to laws. Let the Lord decide on that. Don't do that because it exposes and um, masticates sin. It just makes it bigger than it, it makes the problem bigger than it ever was. You ever had that happen? 
You get into the law and the problem's like this big and then all of a sudden you click out of it and you're like, the problem wasn't even that big. That's because that's the nature of the law. It always makes a big problem out of nothing. Well, it might be something, but it's not to be our focus. What? We're standing and looking at the glorified one. But thanks be to God um, who gives us the victory through what? Our Lord Jesus Christ. So then, dear brothers and sisters, be firm. Uh, Do not be moved. Always be outstanding in the work of the Lord, knowing your labor's not in vain in the Lord. Yeah, but it looked like it was in vain, Lord. It was so dishonorable. I got kicked out. I was mistreated. I've been done wrong. Yeah, you have. It looks weak. It doesn't look like a big deal, like it's not on the major networks or a scene or whatever. I don't know. Not everybody's noticing me, Lord, or I've been going through stuff and people don't even really know who I am. They don't even like me or I don't feel liked or whatever. I don't know what bothers us and afflicts all of our souls, but, he, but he's saying here, hey, don't be moved. Be, um, be outstanding in the work of the Lord. Be firm. So I'm gonna conclude back to Second Peter. Wrapping it up here. We're possessing a prophetic word that is altogether a reliable thing. And you guys have done well because you have paid attention today. I don't think I have anybody sleeping in here. I had some people closing their eyes, but I take it as that you're worshiping the Lord. I can feel you. You've entered into the rest of God. He says you do well if you pay attention to this as you would um, to a light shining in a murky place. And Stephen was singing this until the day dawns. I'm not backing off. I'm not being moved. I'm not, I'm not changing my position, okay? I'm going to hold the line. No matter how weak it looks, no matter how dishonorable it is, it's going to be raised in glory and in power. And the morning star rises in your heart. I'm the Lord stepping up the stage here. He's going from a murky place to, look at this, the day dawning into the morning star. This is where this star child comes from. It's the idea. Bright light breaking out morning star, like a neutron bomb going off inside your chest. (sighs) Until the morning star rises. Do well, you do well if you recognize this. No prophecy of scripture comes by a prophet's own imagination. For no prophecy has ever been born of human impulse. The terrestrial man cannot produce this kind of work. It don't make sense to the terrestrial man. You know what I mean? That's why like when the celestial and terrestrial connect, that's why uh, you'll understand, uh, you'll, you'll understand. And so, so, but are men carried along by the Holy Spirit who spoke from God? All right, all right, let's close this up. So, hey, you have a celestial body 
and you have a terrestrial body. It, can, you, can you see that in the text? You have a celestial body and you have a terrestrial body and the Lord wants your celestial body to co-link with your terrestrial body. And the world, the devil, sin and everything's trying to keep them apart. You get a human being that's celestial, terrestrial, you get that, that going. You got something going, going and, and that's what Jesus, that's what, that's what he was. And that's what had happened to Abraham. And that's what, I say this over you. And that's who you are. So when you're sweeping the floor or when you're doing whatever you have to do, you're doing the menial thing and you think it doesn't matter. It matters to the Lord when he's leading you to because yes, what appears to be weak and dishonorable is what? Being raised in glory and power. Now, I'm not saying that you have to be electrocuted. I'd like for you to be. Just so you could experience what I've had to experience. But you can have beauty treatments. <laughs> the Lord's like, I can do electri electrical shock therapy or beauty treatments. You decide. It's called affection or affliction. <laughs> One way or another, the Lord's going to get this coterminous union. One way or another, he's going to have the celestial and terrestrial. One, I'm just one of those that needs electric shock treatment therapy. Maybe all of you could just have beauty treatments. <laughs> all right. So you have to, you have to do this. You, you don't have to. You, you tell the Holy Spirit that you want it you want this in your life, I, I want to let you have your way. He's going to give you a seed to sow more than likely. He's going to give you something. I don't know what he's going to say to you, but he'll tell you, I know he's done this with our family, with our resources. I want you to give all this money away. He told us give a car away and all kinds of stuff. Give your furniture away. I'm not telling you he's telling you to do that. I'm just saying it normally happens by the principle of sowing and reaping because it has to be sown there's something that is sown that you're letting go of because you're saying, I place more of my trust in you than I do in maybe sometimes material objects. And so I'm invited into something. It could be that I'm gonna go say hey to someone that's really hurt my feelings. I don't know. Maybe send a card somewhere. I don't know. It's not, that's not the responsibility of anybody. But if you listen to the Holy Spirit, what perishable seed do I need to sow? What are you asking me that's perishable, meaning that it has no last, it's not gonna last for all eternity. What are you asking me to let go of? It could be your right. It could be that someone's done you wrong and you have to forgive them. Um, but it normally involves forgiveness and, and giving. It always does. But I, I ask the Holy Spirit, what do you want me to release to you? I'm holding on. Because I need this perishable seed that has no future in it to produce something imperishable. So the Lord's inviting you and I pray for you that the Holy Spirit will give you wisdom. Wisdom to know how to engage with the perishable things of this world that the Holy Spirit invites you into as Father or as the Holy Spirit's not the Father. I want to make that clear. But it's inviting you into 
speaking to your heart, to participate with him in the release of something perishable. And he says that he'll give you so much, so much more, he'll give you himself. And he'll take and transform this dust into a star. And I pray for you, I ask you, Holy Spirit, for the release of wisdom, for the wisdom that um, over every single person here, the wisdom that cannot be known by, by man, but is only known by you, that wisdom to come down like fire on your head and to sit like it did with Job over the top of your head and to lead you and guide you. And it's like, this is the way, go walk you in it, go this direction. But that don't make sense, doesn't matter. And I also, in the name of the Lord, that all, all this at fault and default kind of mindset would just come off of you. The things that are trying to produce a, that mindset that you would see the one who is glorified, the one who has got everything in control and he's got you. And that he has received all the glory and the honor and that your eyes would be just set on him. Amen. May the Lord bless you. May the Lord keep you. May the Lord make his face shine upon you. May the Lord be gracious to you and place his name on your forehead. Bless you, amen, as you go out today.
my lamp is shining bright with oil to last the night.